would spend some time to really build that operational business structure. And what I mean by that is business owners, founders, CEOs tend to hold everything in their head. And this is, if you're going to be a solopreneur, then maybe that's not the end of the world. But if you've got any sort of scale in mind, you're going to hit a lot of roadblocks when everything's in your head. So getting things down on paper, whether that's processes, standard operating procedures that you can share with the team, uh, creating a finance and accounting infrastructure where you've got a very simple forecast built out on what your expectations are for what you're going to bring in in revenue and what those costs look like that you can share with the team so and tie some goals to it so they understand what you're trying to get to. everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Lauren Colson. And uh, Lauren went to college and didn't know what she wanted to major in, uh, but was always good in math. And so that's kind of a bit of direction. Um, family member suggested going into engineering, took some initial, or initial classes there, found out engineering wasn't for her. So it switched over to um, business school um, and uh, took some accounting classes, decided she liked it. Graduated and went in, or went to work into a corporate finance for a couple of big firms. Moved to a smaller public uh, company to do some accounting. Uh, got tired of corporate life. Saw a uh, posting in uh, for Penny Hoarder, a startup company. Submitted the application, got that job, felt or a job, fell in love with the startup community. Built their financial infrastructure, and then in 2019 started some taking some clients on the side and uh, built a, a or built from a side hustle into a full time job. Um, and then she left her uh, full-time or left that role and has been growing your business and her team ever since. So with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Lauren. Awesome. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Absolutely. So I just uh, took a much longer journey and condensed in the 32nd version. So oh, let's unpack good. that a bit. So tell us a little bit about how your uh, journey got uh, started uh, going to college and not sure what you want to do for a major. Yeah, absolutely. So I knew that I loved math and the idea of business, but didn't exactly know, you know, what that entailed. I had done some business, some entrepreneur ventures as a child, lemonade stands, selling things uh, to friends and family. So I always had kind of that drive. Um, as you mentioned, I, I took this, I took the engineering route and I took this intro to engineering class where every week it would teach us a different type of engineering. And I kept waiting to find the one that I liked and would work for me and it never came. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna go into the business school and I'm gonna try accounting and we'll see. Um, and in my first class, intro to accounting, we had our notes and I'm flipping through the book and there's this section for journal entries and a blank page. And I thought, I'm in the wrong place again. I am not a writer. I don't wanna write. I want, I want to use numbers. Um, and so that's, a funny joke for accountants because um, it is not long form journal writing as one may think, but more balancing debits and credits. Um, and so as I got more involved in the class, it just clicked and I was like, I get this. 
I like this um, and let's, let's stick with this. So I did, and I ended up graduating with an accounting and finance degree um, and learned a lot up at Florida State, go Knowles. And um, so that I, after college, I entered uh, corporate life as a, a, in some larger corporate organizations and I learned a ton. I did. Oh, it was awesome. What was the first corporation or what was the first uh, role or job that you took after graduating? Yeah, the first role was at a company called Global Imaging Systems, and they were a wholly owned sub of Xerox. So I was a staff accountant, and I was in charge of all of the intercompany transactions between all of the, the subs they had. Um, so very just kind of methodical accounting work. And, you know, I'm sure as a lot of people with their first job, you realize how different practical on the job work is from textbook, even on the accounting side of things. Um, so learned a ton there. I was there um, for about six months and then moved into a financial analyst role at a large company called FIS. Now, just, just curious, because, you know, six months in working world is, you know, fairly short amount of time. So what prompted the move? Is it saying, hey, don't like the job or they're great, but this is pays more, better opportunity or trying to still figure out what you want to do or kind of what prompted the, the move after a few months? Yeah, a couple of things. It was, one of them was location. I was living in, I was living about 45 minutes away from where the office was. And this was way before there was any sort of remote work <laughs> abilities. So that was hard. Um, and then also I got the opportunity for this financial analyst role. And when I learned about the job description and what the role would entail, it was just really interesting to me. And it, it while I like the mechanics of accounting. I mean, it's only so exciting. And so I had, I had done enough of that and I was like, okay, I, I get this. Um, but the financial analyst role allowed me to be more collaborative and a little in less in the day-to-day -day accounting and more in the kind of strategy and review side of the financials. And that's where I really learned my passion, which kind of brought me to present day, but really learn, you know, working with a different line of business owners and, you know, reading the financial statements and having what felt more of an impact than just uh, producing the number side of things, which is what that first role was. Oh, and that makes sense. So now, so you switch over to the, the new company, you start to find a little bit more of what you enjoy or a little bit more excitement in the, in the job. And how long did you just stay in the second role or the second position? I was there for about two and a half years, I think. And it was really something where I had come in, um, there had been some changes in the, the organi organization, a way that they were uh, managing and structuring the different lines of businesses. And so I, I came in and I cleaned things up and I got everything in a really good place. I had learned the business unit inside and out. And it got to a point where I, I just wasn't challenged anymore. It was like, I can, I can do whatever I'm doing almost automated right now. And I'm not someone that likes to go without a challenge for too long. So that's when I started looking for what that, what that next adventure would be. Now, as you're looking, did you have an idea what that next adventure would be? And you were, you know, targeting who you want to apply for or just saying, hey, I'm not sure what that next adventure will be, but I want to try something different. So I'll just kind of shotgun approach or how did you kind of decide that what that next adventure would be? 
Yeah. So I, I, in the time I was like, I don't want to go back to kind of that accounting level role. I really like the financial analyst side of things. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's my focus. And then of course that didn't happen because life, right? So um, I, I found a role at this company called Nicholas Financial, and they were a publicly traded company that provided subprime financing for auto loans. Uh, so, <laughs> which was never on my radar or something that I was looking for, but um, I came on as their accounting manager. Um, and I was really, what I was looking for, what intrigued me about the role was being able to lead a team, learn more about SEC reporting and kind of the close, it was a smaller publicly traded company than I was at FIS where there were thousands of employees. Um, so I was working at their corporate headquarters and I really wanted to be able to see and touch and be um, help leading the charge on that. So I joined the accounting manager, quickly uh, became the controller. Um, and then um, I was there for about three years and learned so much. I worked very closely with the CFO and, and the CEO and the rest of the leadership team and learned all, everything I know about SCC reporting essentially from that role. And so, and just other kind of tactical accounting and leading audits and, and tax advisory and all of that. So it was an amazing experience in terms of technical accounting. So, and so you get a lot of that experience and you work there for about three years. And then I get the sense that, you know, that probably wanting to do something different again, or kind of as you're getting towards the end of the three years, what kind of prompted the, the next phase of the journey or the switch from there? Yeah. So at, at this point, I feel like I had kind of matured in terms of, I was testing the waters a lot in the beginning. What do I like? What do I want to do? Is there a certain industry? What kind of work? Who do I want to work with? And I'd come to the conclusion while I had gotten so much great experience that I would never trade, I just hadn't felt fulfilled personally in what I was doing, whether it was, you know, the industry or the company or whatever from that perspective. And I started to reflect on, you know, what, what would I want to do? Like, what is that? And I, I pulled pieces from, from all of those experiences, really. And I came up with, you know, I want something where I can collaborate with the team in a way that is useful um, and, you know, provide my guidance and my expertise and, and really be involved in something where we're, we're building something and we're creating and we're iterating. And it's not just, you know, this is what we've always done. And this is the textbook step one through three go, but, you know, we're, um, there's more creativeness to it. And I, I hate to use that word around accounting because that's not what I mean. <laughs> um, but just the company and kind of the, the culture and the vision. And so I had found a job posting for a finance role at this company called the Penny Hoarder, personal finance uh, website that was uh, actually really close to where I lived, which was also a pro. And so applied for the job, uh, like looked at their website, loved everything about it, applied, ended up getting the position. Um, it was a, a pretty large pay cut um, transitioning over. And I lost all of my unvested equity at the company I was coming from, but it was like, money's not my goal here. 
you know, I, I've, I've hit some financial milestones and really I'm looking for, you know, purpose and trying to fulfill that bucket while also, you know, using my technical skills. So I moved over to the Penny Hoarder as their uh, director of finance and really built the finance and accounting infrastructure there as they grew rapidly. And it was amazing. It was just, it was night and day to what I had experienced before in terms of culture and leadership and just that entrepreneurial spirit where it was just kind of everything clicked and was like, this is where your journey has been leading you. This is where you're supposed to be. Um, so it was, it was awesome to kind of finally reach that and, and really see this is, this is another option out there. I'd say, okay, you know, so you find something, you know, find out that you like the startup life, kind of it's a good fit, get or you know, scratches a lot of the, the different itches that you're wanting to do or with the, the career and you uh, and you, you make that transition over. Now, how long did you, you stay at the, the, the penny hoarder for? Yeah, so I was there two years to one. It was a year and a half until I started my side hustle. So I had always, I'd always wanted to start a business on my own. And I kind of mentioned earlier doing the, the small little business endeavors uh, when I was younger, I just didn't know what it was going to be. And I never, even after, you know, I had gotten five years of accounting under my belt, I never thought it would be in accounting and finance. And so um, I was just, I was, I'll never forget this. I was at a friend's wedding and I had met a guest there who was opening up uh, their own medical practice. And I jokingly was like, well, if you need someone to do the accounting and finance for you, let me know. Um, and then, you know, what about my way back to the dance floor? And then a couple months later, he got my information and reached out. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Um, so started really small, took that on. Um, and then I said, th and then I thought to myself, maybe this is something I could do. And so tested the waters for about a year from May 19 to 20 in terms of, um, can I get clients? Do I like working on different clients at a time? Like, what does this look like? And so I had taken on about three small clients on the side of working full-time and I did enjoy it. And it was, um, it was exciting and I loved working with different entrepreneurs and having to face different challenges and it kept things very exciting. And so- well, One question just on that. So, I mean, you, so you mentioned that you kind of threw it out there almost half joking or, you know, just kind of threw it out there as a teaser and not really necessarily intending to start the side hustle, but you'd also mentioned that you had, you know, always wanted to kind of do your own thing or had a, a bit of the entrepreneurial or, or business kind of bent. So as you did that and you're starting to, you know, somebody calls you up and said, hey, would you want to do this? Was it kind of the intent that at some point this would grow into a full-time thing and that you would be able to start your own? Or is it kind of, hey, help them out, have a little bit of extra spending money and, and then I'll, you know, focus on the day job type of a thing or kind of how did it, it end up being, or, you know, growing or starting out kind of as a one-off going into side hustle to a full-time gig? Yeah. So when I decided, probably when I got the third client, which was actually a little bit bigger than the other two and, and saw the, the impact and the, the possibility is when I probably what six to seven months into it was like, I think I might be onto something here. Like this may be where my path uh, is leading. Um, and I, you know, there's a lot of fear around going out on your own 
And I think in the service industry, um, you know, when you do consulting work like this, it's like, can I get enough clients to sustain me? You know, clients can always leave, but there's always new clients coming on and you don't know what that's like. And I think there was a lot of fear based. And I think that's why it kind of took me a year to get there. Um, but also I, I loved my full-time job. I love the people and I didn't want to necessarily leave that either. And we were, we were building something and we were in growth mode and I, um, have such like a loyalty and uh, you know strong relationship with that team and the people that I work for that I didn't want to just leave them. So I think part of it was like, okay, how do, how do we do this? I was also um, pregnant with my first child. So that was like another variable in the mix. And I'm like, okay, what do I, um, I'm sorry, I was pregnant with my second child <laughs> at the time. So it's like, how do, how do we, how do we work this? So um, I had went to my boss and was like, um, listen, I enjoy working with you guys so much. I've also, you know, been doing this on the side and I'm ready to go full force over there and just give myself a chance and see where this goes. Um, and it has nothing to do with being unhappy here. This is an extremely hard decision for me. Um, but honestly, like being in this company is what gave me the courage to go do this. And so um, what, ha what happened, which I was absolutely thrilled about, is that when I left full-time, they stayed on as a client and we continued to work together. So they just added to the client base and then I helped them sell the company in, uh, uh, they sold December of 2020 for $100 million dollars. And so took them through uh, diligence and um, the sale and then stayed on actually to help them transition to the company that bought them for another seven months. And so, and, and I still have a really strong relationship with them. So um, that, that brings us to kind of present day in terms of uh, our present business uh, in terms of uh, working with different clients. Now, one question, just maybe slightly backing up or just gauging the timeline. So now you're decided, you know, start out as a side hustle. You say, hey, when I get, I've got enough clients, I could probably sustain myself. I could, you know, make a go of it. Now, how long was it to, to really build it to where you felt like, okay, we've got a bit of enough stability or enough diversity and clientele that we're not going to, you know, go under, or, you know, I'm going to make the leap. How did you kind of decide that was the time to leap, and then how long? You know, how did it go over the period of time up until today, as far as taking off, being wildly successful, ups and downs, or kind of had all that go? Yeah. So, I trying to think. I had gotten enough clients where I was making. I would be making more than my full time salary, and that was the piece where that I felt comfortable to take that, you know, kind of, uh, guaranteed pay out of the equation, if you will. No, granted, this is, this is the very beginning of 2020. So this is all happening right before the pandemic hits and I'm pregnant. So <laughs> I leave my full-time role. I'm like, I got this. I've got the finances all mapped out. This is great. Then the pandemic hits and I'm like, oh my goodness what if people don't want these services anymore? You know, I've kind of put all my eggs in this basket now and, and here I am, but very blessed and fortunate to say that that never 
impacted our client load. And honestly, it was, it was just me at the start. I, I, I had to more work than I could handle even in the beginning. So, um, just from building a referral network and having other clients refer and working with, you know, great partners that, you know, needed financial support and some of their other clients, uh, it, it was wonderful. And so, uh, never looked back from there. And I originally thought that it would just be me and I, I would just do all of the client work. I, I loved it. And it was so exciting to me to be, you know, diving into one challenge in one industry and then the next hour be somewhere completely different with a client. You know, you're, you're in manufacturing and you're talking about cash flow and fundraising, and then you're switching over to event planning and managing project P&Ls. And so um, it was really energizing for me. I mean, you know, accounting is only so sexy, right? But when you can kind of bring that variety into it and really help the business owners problem solve and bring them, um, you know, information that they can use, I was like, this is what I want to do. And I mean, no, that, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, so now give us an idea now that you made that transition over kind of, you know, you mentioned you always kind of anticipated it was going to be you as kind of solo. Um, sounds like you've grown the team a bit or you brought some people on or you've expanded or kind of where's it at today? Yeah. So as the work just kept coming in, I, I was so excited and wanted to do it all. But by this point I have a newborn daughter, a toddler running around and understand the need that I cannot do everything. And so I started bringing on team members to help support me, whether it was on some of the clients I was working on or to manage clients directly. Uh, I just, I have such a passion for helping people and, and really educating around the financial space and making the financial statements and what we do so much more valuable than just some report that a lot of people don't even look at. And so when people were coming in and I was hearing their pain points, I'm like, we've got, I got to make this work. So the next part of my strategy became, okay, how do we build a team and how do we, how do I find like-minded individuals that have the same passion as I do and aren't just necessarily like methodical, you know, bean counters as some people, you know, think of the accounting industry. And so that became my next focus of growing the team and being able to serve a broader client base. And um, that, that's really where, where we are today. Um, and so it's been, as you mentioned, ups and downs and all arounds as the life of a business owner, but it's been um, really fun. Oh, I think that's uh, definitely awesome and sounds like it has been a, a great journey and a, definitely a, a great path. And so well, now as we've kind of reached the present day of your journey, uh, always a great time to transition to the, the two questions always asked at the end of each episode. Now, before we do that, just uh, for the audience and the listeners, we are going to do the bonus question. We're going to talk about uh, the uh, one crazy entrepreneurial idea. So if you want to hear that, stay tuned after we wrap up the normal portion of the episode to hear that uh, bonus question. But otherwise, for those that aren't going to listen to the bonus question, we'll ask the normal two questions at the end of each episode, which are the first question is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, so it was not investing in culture fit from the start. And I don't just mean financially, I mean like the time it takes to do that. And it's it's been a game changer. So we now our hiring process and recruitment process has changed. Uh, 
And we're only bringing people on the team that truly align with our mission, vision, and values, because that is just so important to being a part of our team and serving our clients the way that we do. And so, you know, before sometimes you're a busy business owner and you're just trying to do everything at once and you're like, I just need a body that can do good work. Um, and while good work is important, it's, it's truly not everything. And we've, we've learned that the hard way over time. And so I think that's super important to, to think about because it's going to cost you more in the long run if you don't think about that from the start. No, and I think that, you know, that was, you know, along those lines, you know, one of the things that you start your own business, or at least it was for me that, you know, I, I just kind of erroneously assumed that everybody would want, would be as engaged, work as hard as I would, that they would all want to make it a success. And, you know, there's a lot of different motivations when you're the owner, you're the founder, you do going this out on your own, you're definitely more engaged and involved in you or, stay, or have a stake in the success. And yet, some people you hire and they're there for a paycheck. Others are there just a resume builder. Some are there because they really are excited about what they're doing. Some, you know, and you get all these different mixtures and finding teammates that will work hard that are there to, you know, help and build and that also will fit well is not an easy thing. And it's, I think, an easy thing to make that erroneous assumption because you kind of walk, go in saying everybody's going to be working hard just like I am. So I think that that's definitely a great lesson to learn. Second question I always ask is, now, um, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, I would spend some time to really build that operational business structure. And what I mean by that is business owners, founders, CEOs tend to hold everything in their head. And this is, if you're going to be a solopreneur, then maybe that's not the end of the world. But if you've got any sort of scale in mind, you're going to hit a lot of roadblocks when everything's in your head. So getting things down on paper, whether that's processes, standard operating procedures that you can share with the team, uh, creating a finance and accounting infrastructure where you've got a very simple forecast built out on what your expectations are for what you're going to bring in in revenue and what those costs look like that you can share with the team so, and tie some goals to it so they understand what you're trying to get to. Um, certain softwares that you can use to collaborate. I mean, it does not have to be fancy or expensive at all, but I firmly believe if you get that organizational structure in place and you can share it with the team and get it out of your head, again, you can move faster. You're not going to be the bottleneck for everything and you can delegate a lot more freely. Oh, I think there's a lot in there. And I think everything from, I think if I had to boil that down, is kind of have the organizational tools in place and the the structure that, that sets it up for success. And I think that that can, a lot of times that's difficult if you're kind of or used to flying by the seat of your pants, not really having a plan and just going by your gut. And yet, whether it's the tools, whether it's the team, whether it's the people in place, having that structure in place doesn't mean you can't still try new things out, break barriers and try, you know, or, or go outside the norm. But having that, I think that organization in place can make a big difference. So I think that's a great takeaway. Well, um, before we jump to the bonus question, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, awesome. So I'm big into LinkedIn. I love it. So you can find me at LinkedIn at Lauren Colson, C-O-L-S-O-N. Um, you can reach out to our email at info at ColsonStrategies.com. Uh, and you can also reach us from our website, colsonstrategies.com. And I love to connect with people. 
Um, so please, please reach out and in any way that we can help help any way we can help you or, or serve you or direct you to someone else as well, please. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to, to connect up on LinkedIn and it's a, it's a great platform and one that I definitely uh, love being active on as well. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you listeners, you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. We'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show, and we'd love, or love to chat with you. Um, also, as a listener, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else, it's your startup, your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, now as we're wrapped up the normal part of the the uh, of the journey, always fun to to switch gears just a bit and talk or talk about one of those kind of crazy entrepreneurial ideas. And if you're anything like me, you know there's always kind of that piece where or I have all these ideas and I always think that it'll be fun to pursue. And I kind of have the hey, these are fun ideas I'll never pursue. And sometimes it's a bucket of hey, the someday bucket where probably never actually get to them. I always think that I will, but it's always kind of fun to kind of toss out those different ideas that you have that you may or may not ever pursue, but they're kind of fun to fun to think about how you might ever build a business around it. So with that, um, why don't you share with the audience your, your crazy entrepreneurial idea? <laughs> so this idea I had 25 years ago, um, and it's called Tortilla Tape not patent pending, but Devin, we should talk about that because how many times do you wrap a taco or a burrito that you've made at home and you bite into it or you don't fold it the right way and all the juices or insides come spilling out and it gets all over you and it's a mess and it shouldn't have to be that way. So tortilla tape is just that, ways that you can take tape up your tortilla that is edible so that you don't have the, the pesty leakage from your taco or burrito. <laughs> I like it. And it, it could be, you know, I could see a couple applications. One is it's kind of patching those holes that half the time you die or bite into a tortilla and that, and then all of a sudden it cracks and then you have half of the tortilla there. So it could be helped to, to tape it up. But it could also be Sometimes you have it where it always wants to split open or you can't quite hold it right. So you could actually have edible tape that allows you to, to hold it or hold it closed or hold it in the position you want. So it makes it easier. So I think there's plenty of applications. Right? And then it's the edible tape, which is there's a lot of applications for edible tape that I think would be just fun to, to explore. So I think that's yeah, right. Idea. And like I said, 25 years ago, but I will tell you, I still believe in it today. <laughs> Hey, I got some of those ideas that I've had forever. And I'm like, you know, I still think it's a good idea. I still someday I'm going to do it. Still never actually done or done something with it, but I still hold out the hope that someday I'll have that, uh, that free time that never or always seems to evade me that I'll pursue those ideas. And I think this is definitely a great idea for you to put in that bucket. So yeah. So if anyone out there wants to partner with me on this and lead the charge, <laughs> I'm down, reach out. <laughs> All right, there's your invitation. If you want to get in the business of edible tortilla tape, there, there's, a, there's a great partner for you. So with that, as a thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. And uh, Lauren, wishing the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much, Devin. This was really fun. <laughs>